Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to the triumphant return of Ice Sport Radio. That's right, it's the BSH Radio Rest of the League show. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Joining me tonight, it's the same crew as BSH Radio this week. Let's lead it Yay. off with the fly by yourself, Kelly Hinkle. So, um, super bummed that if we don't get Joel Quenville, we're also not going to get John Cooper. Yeah, we'll talk about uh, that later, folks. Stay tuned. That's something we'll get to. That's a that's a that's good there. That's what they call a tease, Kelly. Well done. And from theathletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. You know what makes me really happy about this season? Oh God, I have no idea. That as as bad as the Flyers ended up being, the Devils are significantly worse. You're yeah, you're taking I know that you personally are taking great uh taking great satisfaction out of how right you were about how bad the devils really are. Cause I was one of those people who was like, Yeah, I know, but maybe they're and they are just fucking trash. Like they're, they're so Ottawa, bad. Yeah, they're very they're bad and bad. And I did not think that they were this bad. They just have a couple of guys I really like. Um some of you may know I was higher on Heeshear than Patrick, and I really liked Will Butcher, and I just like some of the things they had, but my God, are they bad. Like when uh, someone named Mackenzie Blackwood is... Uh, is he's, like their big, he's like their great hope. Yeah, he's their Taylor Hall MVP this year, and it is not yeah. close to getting them to the playoffs. Maybe they can get Ilya Kovalchuk back from L.A. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> that, would, that would be funny. And, like, I guess they're not this bad because they, I think the second half of the year basically went and did what the Flyers didn't do, which was actively try to tank and lose. But they're still very bad. Yeah, they're not good at all. Uh, let's start it off. I know this is the rest of the league show. It's Ice Sport Radio, but this is something that happened today. And by the time we get to it next week, we'll all be uh, over our outrage over it. Let's start with a little bit of Flyers news. Michael Roffle, it was announced just a few hours ago, signs a two-year extension with our Orange and Black Boys. $1.6 million average annual value coming off of a three-year deal that paid him $2.35 million a season. Uh, we all remember that 21-goal year he had in 2014-15 when he was paired with a 27-year-old Drew, 25-year-old Jake. I am not all that happy about this, but I know Chuck, the... Uh, you're our you're our moral compass here. What is this? What is this move? What 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 what? Why? I think it's fine. I'm, they didn't have anybody who was logically going to slide into the the what I ideally want as the final fourth line spot. So they got Michael Roffel, who can do it for a reasonable price. And if he gets passed by young kids who turn out to be better than him, you can just park him in the in the press box or send him down. I, I don't. I, I it's a it's a yeah that makes sense move it's certainly not an exciting move but it, it makes sense to me it was very surprising to me that there were so many strong feelings about this it, deal see, because it, it didn't it, shock me at all oh that really there were so many strong feelings yeah I mean like I had kind of like a oh already and then ah uh, I wish it was only one year but at the same time it's like <laughs> okay cool we got a fourth liner yay Kelly Hinkle doesn't love a two-year contract. That's I know, right? I had to re-examine my whole like moral code and the way I look at the world, but I feel yeah. like a one-year deal would have been better here. It doesn't shock me that there were strong feelings about it simply because 
Like, there's such a divide on what people think Michael Roffle is. There are people who are pragmatic about it and just go, yeah, he's a fourth liner and he's decent at that job. Cool. And there are people who just think he represents... He's one of the guys who represent this era of mediocrity. And that's... While I get uh, to... Yes. If we can go into next year and say, hey, you know what? Roffle, Lawton, and Hartman on a fourth line? That's good. I'm into it. That's good. Uh, You know, (laughs) I have no problem with that, but Raffle is also just one of these guys that coaches seem to fall in love with, and if all of a sudden we see him playing top-line minutes, or forget top-line, if they think they're going to bring in a center and play Raffle with him and JVR next year as a third line, I'm very next. To, I'm very much against it. He's just one of these toys that coaches fall in love with that I was just ready to move on from. I think he serves a role. I like Ma- Michael Raffle as an idea. But if NAK, if Rubstov, if Vorobiev aren't ready to take this spot on what I assume is like 4LW, then, man, we have bigger problems than Michael Roffel. It's not Michael Roffel per se that I have a problem with. It's this idea that, like, how are we not ready to move on from him? We have nobody ready to replace Michael Roffel? Like, this is what we're talking about? A fourth liner? We can't... It's it's the potential of that roster spot to me that bothers me about this move. But here's the thing. Like, if NAK is actually as good as we want him to be, do you want him playing fourth line minutes? Yes. And then if it's not one of those skill kids, then it's friggin' Veroni. Like, I'm done. Like, no. Like, this is fine. It is what it is. And like Charlie said about a thousand times, if someone's better, they'll take his spot and he'll be the 13th forward. Big deal. Will they, though? Maybe. That's my issue. I think I think there's a good chance. I mean, to me, it's like I just don't want to go into the offseason assuming that, like, just carving out a spot for NAK. If NAK comes in and he's better than Michael Roffel, then Michael Roffel's 13 for it. And if anything, this year has shown us that, like, hey, let's not have Corbin Knights and Phil Veronis as our 13th or 14th forward. Because, because when oh, they yeah. play, they're bad. So I'd much rather have Michael Roffel as the 13th forward if that's the way it plays out. And if the, the way it plays out is that NAK isn't ready and Mikhail Vorobiev looks just as crappy as he looked every time he played in the NHL in regular season time this year. And somebody like Rubzov, like, I don't even think Rupsov is is relevant in the situation because I never I never want Rupsov playing fourth line minutes unless the, unless mm-hmm. unless after multiple times in the NHL he shows me that's all he is like I want him on the third line hopefully he turns into a second liner but I don't want I don't want him coming in as a fourth liner I, I want him to be better that's, than that so no, yeah that's I just have no problem with a kid like him coming in and earning his way up the ladder if he's playing fourth line minutes and then forces some guys down. I'd rather that than I, I don't. I just yeah. But they already... don't. Give, they don't give kids like the way that fourth liners get to 10, 12 minutes a game is by getting like the tough late game shifts when you're trying to kill time. And you're never going to use. No coach is ever going to use a rookie or a second year guy in that role. So if you're if if you if you have German Rusov on your fourth line, he's going to be used the same way NAK was in November, which is getting 4 minutes a night because you're not you're like okay, well when I'm rolling lines normally in the beginning of the game, then he plays, but then when it gets to rolls, he doesn't earn that role, so he just kind of sits on the bench for two periods. So, yeah, I I don't really I, I, I think this is fine. I mean, yeah, if Raffle gets used way above his talent level, 
again, then yeah, I'll be annoyed by it. But I think you need it. I think you need it another guy for that bottom six, 13th, 14th forward rotation that you knew was good or at least solid. And I don't think you had that. And I think Raffle gives you that. So I think he fills a hole. That's absolutely. If if you have 10 forwards, 10 plus forwards better than Raffle, I'm cool with it. And that's a that's a job of the GM to go out and improve yeah. his team. We've talked about improving the depth and the top end of this roster multiple times. It's not Michael Raffle himself I'm against. It's just this uh, stagnation of sticking with a guy who's... Like, I like Michael Roffel, but how are we not ready to move on from him? Listen, if he's on your fourth line, if guys jump him, if he's your 11th, 12th, 13th forward, cool. I just, uh, man, how are we still here? This is what I, and this is a lot of what I saw on Twitter after this happened. Is this like, you guys are hanging a lot on Michael Roffel. Like, I don't think that Michael Roffel means that we're going to repeat the Ron Hextall stagnation, nothing's going to happen next season, everything's going to be the same because they signed Michael Roffle for $1.6 million. The contract, the contract, the term, the the, the years, the, uh, the money, it all lines up with, okay, he's a fourth liner who we can easy, easily replace if guys outperform him. It's, it's, it's perception to me. And the perception when I see we re-sign Michael Roffle, that's a roster spot that I was hoping to go to a better player. Uh, on its own, it's fine. It's absolutely fine. Let's move on. Kelly, you alluded to this John Cooper thing. Mm-hmm. We've talked a lot about the way this coaching search could go in the offseason. Most people not convinced that uh, Scott Gordon is the guy. So we're looking at some of the better coaches around the league. Obviously, Quenville is the one who gets the headlines because he's actively available at this very minute. If he wanted to coach, he could have a job. But... Cooper is a guy some people have thought, hey, this has been a good team in Tampa for a while now. They haven't been able to get over the hill. They haven't been able to reach the, you know that next level, win a championship. Could he be on his way out if they underperform? This Lightning team, if they win their final five games and now running the table uh, is you know a thing in hockey that doesn't always happen. Five in a row is a lot. But if they do... They could tie the 76-77 Habs for most points ever, uh, 132 in a season. Granted, those Habs did it in two fewer games, but there were like no loser teams. point for them either. Yeah, there were like 82 <laughs> teams in the league and shit like that, uh, or 18 teams in the league, not 82, and it was just a totally different game. But 132 points is a shit ton. Uh, but if Cooper doesn't win, you have to start to think. Are they going to move on? The Lightning kind of quelled that, signing him to a two-year extension today. Yeah, I always kind of thought, I didn't really know what to make of the amount of chatter there was around the idea that Cooper would lose his job if they don't win the Cup this season. Um, I mean, I guess logically it makes sense, but then it's like, who? John Cooper's a really good coach, so yeah. who do you go to after that unless you're going to assume that Quenville's going to want to come coach the Tampa Bay Lightning, which I don't know why he wouldn't, but I don't know. It just yeah. never seemed to make any sense to me that they would fire him just because of how well things, like if they had somehow imploded over the last third of the season or something, like maybe, but it makes sense to me that they would want to keep him. Kelly, we are fans of a team that fired Terry Murray 
after an Eastern Conference championship, it's not unheard of. Oh, wait. Don't get me started on Bill Barber again. Oh, I, I will go love, off. I know you love Billy <laughs> B. Mr. 420 himself, Bill Barber. <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of respect the fact that the Lightning are basically saying that this guy is a good coach, and he will we will still think of him as a good coach, even if he takes the best team of the last 20 years and doesn't even get out of the first round. Like, to, to me, that was always the thing. Is like, you're talking about a guy who's coached Tampa for a long time. Tampa's been a very good team for a long time. He's been a very good coach for a long time, but he hasn't been able to get them over the hump. And the whole theory of, well, he could get fired if they fail is just this idea that this team should win a Stanley Cup this year. They should. Or at the very least, they should— at the very least, they should get there. And if they go out there and Carolina beats them in seven games in the first round or something crazy like that, then it's like, okay, we have this incredible team, and this guy, every time it comes down to it, chokes. Do I necessarily buy that? No. Playoffs are weird. Weird should happen sometimes. Randomly worse teams beat better teams more often than you'd like to admit. So the better move really would be just to keep them. But the way hockey people tend to think is this guy chokes. It's why why Boudreaux got fired in Washington. Like, guys get fired for it. And the disaster situation in Tampa was if he were to quote-unquote choke, they might fire him. This shows that they're not going to fire him. Or at the very least, they're not going to fire him if he chokes this year because you don't give a guy an extension and immediately fire him two months after you give him the extension. At, but at the same time, like, I understood why the talk was, was because when you have this good of a season, you set yourself up for, you like, you basically have to win. And if you don't win, there become serious questions of, like, will he, if he can't win with this team, is he ever going to win one? And let us not forget the team they've been compared to all season, those 95-96 Red Wings, didn't win the Cup, but then, of course, went on to win two in a row after that. Right. So this at least, I, I like the vote of confidence, and like you said, they're doing so much to keep the gang together in terms of the players. Uh, we've talked a ton about Braden Point and the different things they have to, they might have to move around. Like, I, I think this, more than anything... Is a, like, is a signal to the rest of the group, hey, even if, you know, crazy shit happens, it's the NHL playoffs, you know? Wild stuff happens all the time. If it doesn't happen this year, we still know what kind of team we have, and we're going to keep this group together and run it out again, because true talent-wise, from the coach down to the last forward, last defenseman, we're as good as anybody, if not significantly better. It's almost like they're kind of saying, like, if we don't do it this year, we're not putting it on this guy. It's on yeah. the rest of you guys. Like, get it's, it done. It's 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 one of these things in hockey, like, we don't always... Some people just look at it like random stuff happens, but this group is as good as anybody. I like that they're looking outside of the, the micro and looking at the big picture and saying... Yo, listen, we're going to get one with this group. We're not going to do stupid stuff just because we're having this historic season if it doesn't go our way. I like that they're giving Cooper this vote of confidence also. He doesn't feel like he's coaching for his job and doesn't get tight uh, in a postseason where he's supposed to win the Cup. I like that. Uh, speaking of this historic season that they're having, I know we're all kind of penciling in, if not penning in, Barry Trotz for the Jack Adams but when I know the talent that they have is um, going to probably hold Cooper back from winning a Jack Adams, but do you think he could challenge? I'd vote, I, I'd vote for him. Would you? Yeah. Yeah, would I would. You, could you tell me? 
Could you elaborate as to why? Because I, think he, because I think he's done the best job. I mean, this is one of the best teams of my lifetime, if not the best team yeah. from a regular season standpoint. And I think he's done the best job. Has Trotz done a great job too? Hell yeah, he's done a great job. But Trotz has also benefited from two goalies who like kind of aren't that good having very good years at the same time. Mm-hmm. I, whereas I think the Lightning are just better than everyone else. And they've been, they've been I mean, you can say that they have the most talent, but like, Guys like Kucherov don't have great years like this all the time, and Nikita Kucherov is not the best player in hockey. Like, he's not the best player in hockey, and he's playing like the best player in hockey. You know how that happens? Because coaching staff puts a guy who's not the best player in hockey in a position to look like the best player in hockey for a season. Like, that to me... And it's just that the systems are good. Everything is good. This is a team that has no holes. I think he's on the best coaching job. And there have been... Plenty of teams with all the talent in the world yeah. that have not put up a season like this. I'll always defer to, like, I, I, you know, people talk about a guy like Phil Jackson in the NBA. Well, of course he won all those championships. He had Michael Jordan and he had Kobe and Shaq. And it's like, how many great players, how many great teams didn't win? Like, it takes something else to win with that kind of player. And he hasn't won a championship yet, but to get... They haven't stagnated throughout this season, you know? They're on this pace in December, and it's like, oh, man, if they keep this up, they're going to have an historic season. But, you know, we'll see how the second half goes. And the second half goes, and it's, oh, man, yeah, they're not going to meet the 95-96 Red Wings. They're better than them. Like it's it's definitely something uh, it's definitely something special here, but let's keep the train going with coaches and talk about this Babcock thing. We kind of alluded to it a little bit on BSH Radio last night, but now there's actually an article up on NHL.com where uh, Mike Babcock, head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Kelly's Maple Leafs, uh, kind of trying to throw water on these on these rumors that he and Kyle Dubas do not get along and that there's a rift there and potentially um, Mike Babcock is not long for the Maple Leafs. So what do we uh, what do we think about this here? I think Toronto is the craziest place on earth oh, to I would be love- in hockey. <laughs> Considering the three of us and what we do, like I would love to work in a market where the hockey team is treated like the Eagles. That would be freaking awesome. But we'd be so time, rich. Yeah. But like, oh my god. Yeah, we'd be rolling in it. But at the same time, like it would drive me nuts if my team is having the best season they've had in fifty freaking years, and it's like, yeah, we're gonna fire the best coach in hockey. Like that would that shit would drive me insane. It's like it's like when we used to complain about who Dave Haxtall put on the third and fourth lines. Except it's Mike Babcock and their team is actually incredibly good. <laughs> no, this is a lot like it's complaining wild. about Giroux. Like, yeah. Yes, Luke Shen is our number two defenseman, but let's blame it on the guy with 90 points. Do you think... Yeah, I, the, sorry, go ahead, Charlie. No, I, the only reason why I, like, I do think there could be a little bit to this is the fact that, like, Dubas does have a very clear way he wants to run his team. You know, he wants a forward-thinking approach, and he wants certain things, you know, done in a certain way because he thinks that's the way you're going to not just win one championship, but you're going to win, four, you know, three or four. Uh, yeah, that's the way you're going to be the next Blackhawks, the next, the next Kings. And he has a guy 
literally in his organization in Sheldon Keefe, who was willing to coach like that. So that's the only reason why I look at it. I'm like, there could be something to this. At the same time, like, it's Toronto. You're in a pressure cooker, and everything you do and say, the media ramps up to a thousand because they're the biggest game in town. It's like, I mean, it's basically the Eagles. I mean, the Maple Leafs are the Eagles. Like, that's what it is. And you know how crazy we are about the freaking Eagles. So it's pretty much like that in Toronto. It it pretty much is exactly like that because the same deal. Haven't won won a World Series or haven't won a Super Bowl. Haven't won a Stanley Cup since uh, since the 60s. Like, same deal. Everything's magnified. And you got two guys. uh, You got Dubas, who needs to prove himself because he's young and he has doubters. And you have Babcock, who's got a gigantic ego. And a lot of this is going to be push-pull. Babcock trying to see what he can get away with with the young kid. The young kid trying to stand his ground to prove that, hey, I'm not going to get walked all over by the Stanley Cup winning coach. And you're going to have these back and forths, and then they're going to clear it up and in the end winning is going to solve it if they win a cup everything's going to be great if we're two years down the line they still haven't won a cup and Sheldon Keefe is still coaching the Marlies then this gets interesting what do you guys think of the um the argument being made that Mike Babcock actually isn't a good coach and he only ever won anything because he had stacked teams and apart from that he's just average in every way nobody's ever won with a bad team that's my take on that always is, like, tell me the bad team that won a Stanley Cup. Tell me the bad team that won a World Series or a Super Bowl or an NBA championship. Like, you have to have a great team to win. That, to get through that goddamn pressure cooker, is it always the best team? No. But if you don't have a really good team, you're not going to be able to win 27, 28 games, whatever the hell it is. See, my my issue with that line of thinking, I would have... I would have been more open to that just based on, like, the years that they won Stanley Cups in the uh, the late 2000s when they were just loaded. You know, you had Lidstrom, you had Datsuk, you had Zetterberg in his prime. Like, you just had absolutely loaded teams. I, I'm willing to say, like, yeah, maybe that was not really because of Babcock. That was just because the team was just too good. But then those teams got a lot worse, and they stayed good. And they continue to drive play, even though those teams got gutted by bad GM decisions and by just the cap and everything like that. And every year, Detroit was still making the playoffs every year. They were still good. Those years actually impressed me more when it came to Babcock than did the championship years. Because I looked at those championship years, and I'm like, yeah, anybody could probably do that. I mean, any idiot. Like, yeah, if you're an actively bad coach, you're probably not winning those Stanley Cups, but I think a mediocre coach would have won those Stanley Cups. But I don't think a mediocre coach could have taken the last few years in Detroit and turned those teams into pretty solid teams. I like it. All right, let's talk about now um, just, my God, my favorite subject ever. Uh, the the Ottawa Senators and our friend, friend of the show, content creator himself, Eugene Melnick, uh, like, Eugene Melnick is to Ice Sport Radio what, like, um, uh, God damn it, now I can't even, uh, Johnny Manziel was to yelling about sports. Like, without Eugene Melnick, would there even be an Ice Sport Radio? This and was an Ottawa Senator it, show for a while. He has taken it upon himself to uh, basically insult Ottawa fans, insult their media partners. Uh, I, I, I see what he's trying to do, almost. Eugene you? Melnick... I'll tell. Okay, not he's doing it incorrectly, but I see what he's trying to do. Is like, hey, if you're not with us, you're against us, and if you're not down with, like, I see it very much as he's trying to do this trust the process thing, but 
he has no one trusts the process. <laughs> yeah, that's the he has um no capital with which to get anyone to trust him. Like if nobody has less less public cat like nobody has the trust less of their audience than this guy. He's just a cheapskate asshole and he's trying to tell people, "Oh no, the uh, most respected reporter in our in our market is actually Bush League." Like Kelly, you you put this link in. Tell me about what he's up to right now. Yeah, it was mostly when this happened. Um we weren't recording that week and I was like, oh, I got to remember this because it's hilarious. It's just, I, I get that you see the angle that he's trying to play here, but I, I really just think he's crazy. Like he went, he did this interview on, on Sportsnet while TSN is the primary network that covers the team in Ottawa. And apparently fans are super happy with the way that they cover them. And then this, um, journalist that you're talking about, Ian Mendez, who covers them, he kind of called him Bush League sort of out of nowhere um, on the competitors' network. So it was like a whole thing. And then he did that whole, like, any Senators fans who are complaining about what we're doing aren't real fans. It's just like, what, like, dude, what are you doing? And they still don't have that building situation down. And now he's saying that they're happy where they are in Canada, Canada, whatever the fuck that's. <laughs> Canada, 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 Canada. Yeah. So, yeah, I he's uh, he's a legitimate crazy person, and the league really needs to find a way to get him away from that organization. I hope he's the owner there forever. Yeah, I mean, they don't seem super, <laughs> you know, pressed to push him out for whatever and like, reason. Like, it's just little stuff. Like, while I like uh, that they took the chance, they they had the option of. Uh, when to send Colorado their first round pick. And it was, you know, either last year and they end up keeping last year's pick and taking uh, Kachuk, you know, the the second. Is it Brady that's in Ottawa? Yeah, it's Brady Kachuk. And, and they take him. And I like him a lot. And he's, he's been awesome in the games against the Flyers. I like both Kachuk brothers. But then, like, just the, the thinking of it, hey, we're trading Eric Carlson this offseason – uh, Mark Stone's a pending free agent, Matt Duchesne's a pending free agent. As bad as you were, you're going to be uh, the worst this season <laughs> and losing out on potential franchise-changing pick, which they're going to do uh, this season. Like, it, it was just a bad decision. Like, everything they do is incorrect. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah, it's just... Not, I guess the thing is, is like, it's not like the NHL hasn't had bad owners before. I just think that this is the first time they've had a really, like, an NHL team has had a really bad owner in the 24 7, like, sports world where everything is on social media and we we just, it's not just reading the paper the next day, it's constant feed of sports getting injected into our veins like a drug. Like, Bill Wirtz in Chicago was just as bad and just as cheap, if not more cheap, than Melnick. It's just that. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't get on TV in Chicago until like he died and his sons yes. took over or whatever yes. the hell it was. Like it was post it was like post lockout when they finally got on yeah. television there. Yeah. Like, it was a it was a mess. But that's the other thing is this is well Chicago and original six team, this is a Canadian team. This is a team in Canada who is a goddamn disgrace. And while, like, yeah, the Maple Leafs haven't won since the 60s, they're still, like, making money for this league. Ottawa is not making anyone any money anywhere. 
And also, I feel like Melnick um, can't seem to help himself as far yeah, as going on television part. and talking and putting his foot in his mouth and just making everything generally worse for his organization. And, you know, you have bad owners, but they generally aren't as public, I think, as Melnick has been during this whole meltdown, which makes it extra fun. No, it would be, it, it wouldn't be as bad if he was just an absentee owner. Like, if you just didn't hear from him, if he was just a faceless, uh, like, corporation who owned the team and they just sucked, that would be one thing. But this guy is constantly, like, going into that Between Two Ferns style interview with Buro and making it real <laughs> freaking awkward. And, like, he's, just, he's, he's constantly around. He doesn't give you the chance to forget about him. He makes it actively worse. This next thing uh, is something I really enjoy because I think the league just needs more of this. The the Drew Doughty and Matthew Kachuk, we're now talking about the older Kachuk in uh, in Calgary, the Doughty-Kachuk rivalry, uh, I just love this stuff, man. It's hilarious. Uh, I, think during, I think during Matthew's rookie year, he was suspended a couple games for elbowing Doughty in the head. Doughty, for some reason, has a huge problem with someone throwing elbows at him. Odd, considering, like, he's fucking macho man Randy Savage sometimes with his elbows. Uh, that's a reference some of our listeners will get. Uh, he was the master of the elbow drop. Uh, but, like, I, I just love it. Uh, he's he's talking about uh, Dowdy constantly trying to uh, talk about how no one even respects Kachuk and downplaying the rivalry between the teams. They don't even matter. Like, we've never even played big games against them. Yeah, dude, it's because you suck now. And they're good now. Like talking about it like they're irrelevant, as if the king's time hasn't come and gone. Uh, I, but I just think the league needs more of this. I like when two teams or two guys just don't like each other. I hate when players are buddy buddy on opposite teams. I don't like that stuff. I think this is just some good old fashioned hate. I'm yeah, into my, it. Yeah, my first reaction when I read this was like I got annoyed because I'm like I like I just like. Dowdy, shut up. I disagree with everything you're saying. Everything you're saying is so stupid and pointless. And then I took a step back. I'm like, actually, no. Even though I think everything you're saying is stupid and pointless, please keep talking because this yeah. is what hockey needs. Like, I think I think he's wrong. Like, he was also talking about how, like, Brent Burns actually sucked because he doesn't play defense. And, yeah. like, it's just, yes. it was just a lot of the shit he was saying was just very, like, hockey man type stuff but you oh, know absolutely. what fine at least you're saying stuff at least you're saying stuff and then at least we can market this in the next time you play either calgary or, or san jose like i may not agree with it i may not agree with what you're saying but i defended the death you're right to say it mr drew dowdy oh no the, the brett burn <laughs> stuff is especially funny like he's got a 65 percent coursey four percentage and he's talking about how he doesn't play defense like who gives a he doesn't need to play defense. He's always on offense. <laughs> That's the idea is to not be in your own zone. Like, I love that stuff to death. And I just, uh, as you both know, it was a great blow to me when he signed that extension in L.A. Because I coveted him greatly here. I remember. Um, I think it might have been dodging a bit of a bullet because he's slowing down a bit. Uh <laughs> But I just, I really enjoy this stuff. I'm looking forward to watching these two teams play against each other. I would like to see the Kings at least get playoff good again so that we can see it in the best of seven and watch it deteriorate the way some of those, uh, like, Kings-Ducks series did. Like, that stuff was 
absolutely freaking incredible to watch those teams play. No matter what you think of them in their playing style, they were fights out there. They were seven-game fights, and I'm all for that kind of hockey, especially in the playoffs. Yeah, it's never going to be bad when players show personality. Never, ever, ever. Even if it's bad personality, it's better than nothing. All right, I think we will wrap it up with this final topic because it's kind of something we touched on last night in terms of the Flyers NCAA guys uh, with Wade Allison. They signed Farabee, who's turning pro. Uh, there's different thoughts about that. If you scroll through Twitter, you'll find them. Uh, but Wade, Wade Allison still not signed, and as Charlie pointed out, like they are out of the uh, you know Frozen Four picture well before uh, Western Michigan was out of it, well before Boston was. So it's a whole thing. But we expect Wade Allison to be fine. But here's the here's the uh, you know the thing people fear about NCAA guys. Adam Fox of Harvard, a 2016 third round pick of the Carolina Hurricanes, opts to return to school for his senior season. And it pretty much looks like he wants to become a free agent after next season and won't sign at all with the Canes. Uh, Pierre Lebrun reports the Canes GM, Don Waddell, says Fox is undecided to his knowledge. But he it looks like he's going back and won't be signing with the Canes at least until he gives the open market a try. This is one of those, It's he's a Hobie Baker finalist. Like I said, he was a third-round pick, and a lot of these NCAA guys, like we remember with Ghost, you know, Ghost gets picked before he becomes Shane Gostaspare, the one who took down Johnny Hockey in the Frozen Four, and they sign him, and it's all well and good, but these NCAA guys can really raise their stock, and it's, it's, a, it's a risk you run. So just so everybody, including me, fully understands the process here. The way it works with NCAA guys is if they get drafted and they play out their college career, they become free agents. Is that how it works? Yes. Okay. If they don't sign until like, I think August after their senior season, they're allowed to become free agents. Gotcha. Yep. That's how it works. Yeah. And I guess that's, that seems to be what we were talking about the other day about Wade Allison, the fear a little bit there, right? Yeah, I mean, they still have a whole other, another year with Wade Allison, as they do with Adam Fox. Fox could decide, mm-hmm. you know, in six months he wants to do it, and he could. But it's uh, it's just one of those things, and it's funny to see like Hurricanes fans are kind of um, are kind of like this is why we don't want to take NCAA guys because if you have your choice, you might not think, oh yeah, the Hurricanes organization, that's where I want to be. <laughs> Yeah, but I don't know. The upswing. It's it's not even that for me. It's the fact that like this isn't the first organization that he's basically informed he's probably not going to sign with them. Like he was drafted by Calgary. He was in that right, trade, right, 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 and the right. and the only the only reason why Calgary traded him is because Calgary got the impression he wasn't going to sign with them. Now Carolina is getting the impression he's not going to sign with them either. Now, granted, neither of those organizations are like top-tier organizations, but now you're talking about two organizations he said no to, and that's when you start getting the idea of, you know, maybe this guy just has only one team he wants to join. Like, he is from New York. Maybe he just decided his freshman year, I want to be a Ranger and fuck everyone else. And, I mean, hey, it's his right. He can do whatever the hell he wants. He went to college. But, like, that literally might just be what it is, is he just decided after his freshman year, like, hey, I'm good. I can play wherever I want. I grew up a fan of X team. I'm playing for them. Enjoy Jimmy Vesey number two, then, New York. 
<laughs> and maybe he just wants to hit that open market and have that fun bidding war. Yeah, that's maybe. One of those, Charlie, that's one of the things I wanted to ask you about this. Um, you're more familiar with these with the CBA than I am. He has to sign an ELC, right? Like, yeah, it's, it's it's not like they can offer him more money. Yeah, Buffalo they, they, Buffalo no. just can't come out of nowhere and be like, "Hey, here's three million bucks." No, like, it has no, to be that nine hundred ish k three year deal, right? Yeah, there's there's a little bit like you can you can come up with slightly different bonuses. The like bonus maybe structure, up, like yeah. bonus structure, could be a little bit more attainable from one team versus another. But in reality, what you're pitching a college free agent on is more opportunity and fit over money the money isn't the big factor it's opportunity it's fit uh and then for some guys it's also like hey what you know what city do i want to play for do i want to be close to home things like that so there's some advantages that you just kind of have because you're lucky and you you know the guy happened to you know grow up rooting for your team and he wants to play for that team so yeah I mean, right now it looks like that's probably the way it's going to play out i think it, that was always a possibility with a guy like this you know if calgary traded him they traded him because they were worried they weren't going to sign him and carolina did not trade for him certain they were going to be able to sign him they were just hoping they could and now it looks like there's a good chance they won't be able to and he's going to go somewhere else and whether he's got whether he knows where he's going to go already or whether he's cannot wait to be wined and dined and you know have a bunch of teams do a PowerPoint presentation as to why he's the best fit to join them versus everyone else. Like, hey, sure, that would be fun. Coca-Cola, Mercedes-Benz, <laughs> Vinny Chase. Like, that's what I always picture. And he's like, we're going to make you a brand. No, uh, thank you, though, Charlie, for jogging my memory. I did say he was a third-round pick of the Hurricanes, but now I remember he was part of the Dougie trade, right? Yes. Yeah, he yes, was he that was he the was the that trade. prospect in the Dougie trade. And to to Fox's, you know, in his defense, uh like both of those organizations have a number of established although young blue liners who might be blocking him from getting yeah. that opportunity right away if he doesn't want to ride the bus for a couple years in the AHL, if he wants to go to an organization and try to get there right away, a la a Will Butcher or something. I understand that, absolutely. Um, but, man, that would just be a kick, man. That would just be a kick right in the balls to have a guy you're penciling in. and so, Yeah, we, uh, don't, we don't have him actually. Do we have anything else here? Ron got a job. I, I demand care. that we celebrate Ron Hextall's first Yeah, he got a job, job with Hockey Canada. Good for him. Uh, the Bruins re-signed Zdeno Chara. This He's dude, old. I was talking to Kelly about this last night. I saw him play for the Kentucky Thoroughblades in the AHL in 97-98. That was 20 years ago. <laughs> And this dude is 40 years old, and no, he's not the he's not the uh, one of the Norris Trophy finalist that he once was. But he just keeps on kicking, man. He's still well, a big you see, part. He's, he's big. Still a, he's still a big. Uh, he's big, but he's a big <laughs> part of a team that could very well go on to win a cup this year. I'm not saying they're a favorite, but he's right in that next tier down with the Boston Bruins. I would say they're in that second tier of teams right after like the the San Jose's and the Tampa's that could easily win one because that's what happens in hockey i guess yeah i i just have respect for that dude ever even though he did try to fight someone like two feet smaller than him i think he fought patrick sharp uh in the uh in the brawl game against the senators like i mean to be fair everyone is two feet smaller than him yeah yeah no you're right you're right (laughs) that's 
John Drews absolutely laid him out, though. The, I've never seen that much blood on ice before. All right, guys, that is all the time we have for you on Ice Sport Radio. Thank you for hanging out. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast feed, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all the places where you find podcasts. You can find Broad Street Hockey. We have this show, our flagship BSH Radio, checking out the competition, the post games, Flyperbole. So much content. All of it is free. All you have to do is click subscribe. And while you're there, give us those good ratings. It helps us bringing you, it helps us keep bringing you all this awesome content. My name is Bill Nats. For Kelly and for Charlie, have a great week, everybody.